Sorry, am I recording? <laughs> I am recording. Hello, everybody. This is Mike. Welcome back to Driving Theology. I thought I just discovered a crack in my iPhone, but it was not a crack at all. Thank goodness. Nor was it a hair. I thought it'd be a hair instead of a crack, but it wasn't that either. Uh, anyway, yeah. Good morning. It is uh, a warm, a little too warm. Let me turn the AC here. It's going to be a little loud for just a few minutes. Warm morning in June. What is today? Like June 7th? June 7th. Why does June 7th seem like it's a famous day? Is this an auspicious day? A day that will live in infamy. Actually, I think June 7th may be something like, no, I don't think it's D-Day or, or Normandy or, I don't know. Anyway, June 7th, that's today. <laughs> Uh, my ooh, wedding anniversary is in about eight days. That's something I need to be mindful of. June 15th. Oh, actually, no. June 15th is my wife's birthday. June 17th is my anniversary, which I think is a Saturday, which is nice. I'll have to go out and do something nice, I hope. Maybe catch a movie. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is Driving Theology, and uh, I actually think I do have something to talk about and I've already this is a rare rare thing I've actually thought about the title of this uh, podcast before I even uh, before I even have uh, recorded it and that's because I was thinking of my nephew and and my daughter and all my daughters and all the young people in my family who have become disenchanted with all things God, religion, um, and uh, belief in general. Uh, I was thinking about them this morning and, and, and what I would, what I would love to say to what I, what I would love to say to you, you know, what, what wisdom could I give you? What, um, I don't even know uh, the right word to use, Um, but I wanted to talk about that because I I know there are a lot of you out there, there are a lot of young people, especially I would say in the last six, seven years um, that have become uh, very disenchanted with the uh, faith of your youth, the religions that you have grown up with. Um, And I guess what I want to tell you is me too. Uh, If if you told me that, you know, by by some miracle of revelation, some indisputable, indisputable 
uh, evidence, proof that God was the God that I understood him to be as I was growing up, I would be atheist too, I think. In fact, I am an atheist of that God. I don't believe in that God. Um, that's the one God I'm sure doesn't exist. Uh, and so I want to I want to kind of talk about that God. And I know it's going to sound like a caricature to some people that that this portrayal of God that I'm going to talk about uh, is ridiculous. Nobody actually believes in that. But I'm going to kind of give you my progression of, of who I thought, I always thought God was. Um, and a lot of it's my perception as a child and perhaps my misunderstanding and perhaps a little bit of human nature and a little bit about, uh, you know, maturation, the, the, the maturing process and everything that goes into that. But I had a picture of God that was really like uh, a, a bad father, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Um, and I shouldn't even say a bad father. I, I should say at least a human father. Um, a father that loved you an incredible amount, right? <laughs> and, you know, we're known as God's children and God's kids. And yet, you know, we're told that God loved me so much, his son. I'm, I'm a son of God like everybody else is. I'm a child of God, one of his children. He loved me so much that he killed one of his other kids for me. <laughs> now, I didn't have a problem with that as a kid. That didn't faze me at all because I was brought up with that image uh, since before I could contemplate the uh, ramifications of, of, of such a notion. Um, and, and so it was, it was something that I was told was true before I could even think about why it would be so weird. And I'll tell you the truth, it's, it's probably taken me 40, 50 years to actually go back and look at that picture and say, wow, that's really, really grotesque. Um, and that's, that's because we're not selfish. Now, if we're allowed to be selfish, if we're allowed to be, you know, exactly what Jesus taught us not to be, then sure, uh, I'd like as many people to die for me as possible. If, if, if I get to live, if I get to prosper, if, if I get to go to heaven, then yeah, line them up, knock them down, you know, <laughs> as long as... As long as I'm okay, right? That'd be the selfish way to go. And so, you know, for 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 us to teach that that God's son uh, was killed by God the Father uh, for the rest of God's children. Wow, it's it's kind of a big deal. That's not even where I wanted to go. So that, that's a that's a that's another speed bump. Okay, that, that's that's a that's a speed bump that came much later in life for me. Uh, and actually a lot of no speed bumps really came for me for nearly 40 years, right? I kind of believe the same theology about 
heaven, about hell, uh, about um, salvation, uh, about you know final judgment, uh, about sin and crime and punishment and all that stuff. So, but as a kid, basically what I believed is God saw everything I did. God knew everything, and He wanted me to get baptized. And as long as I would believe in him and get baptized, then uh, then I would get to go to heaven later. I would get to go to heaven. But I couldn't keep sinning. I had to stop thinking bad things and doing bad things. And if I didn't, I could always find myself in hell again. But the first step was to believe in God and get baptized go to church, take the uh, bread and the grape juice, uh, and be, be a good Christian, be a good person, and all those things. And what was never given to me was some kind of assurance, some kind of a, a guarantee that I was good with God. Baptism is trotted out as that as the contract that you have with the creator of the universe that you are good with him. That's how it's trotted out. But once it's actually signed, the fine print, depending on the, the tradition that you broke, you were brought up in, uh, you, you then see that, well, actually, you know, uh, it's not quite as cut and dry as that. Uh, you may uh, find yourself in trouble again uh, and you'll have to keep going before the church and say you're sorry. You need to say you're sorry and try to do better and keep trying to do better. And and the problem is all this is happening within your heart, your human heart or your mind. And and the mind is a is a deceptive place. It, it's a place that okay. I'm gonna turn this down now so we have a little less. Um, white noise. The mind is deceptive, right? We can deceive ourselves into believing all kinds of things. And we can also uh, um, get very paranoid about who we are, right? What our place is with God, where where we stand. Um, are we good with God? Are we not? Uh, should I have done that? Should I have done this? If I have done this, would it cancel out that? Uh, what do I need to do now to get right with God? And it's this constant dance back and forth that happened with me for many years. Now, there were a couple of years in the middle that I just said the hell with it. And I didn't really, didn't really think about a lot of the stuff. Uh, I didn't, I just kind of shut down. And that was partly out of, uh, a little depression, a little rebellion brought on by my parents' divorce in my 20s, and I've talked about that, so I don't really want to go into that again. Uh, but there was a time that I kind of went off the rails, uh, lost my balance, lost my way. But even when I came back and I started maturing in faith, uh, the, the maturation that happened, um, the growth that happened, wasn't so much in my theology. My theology as a child was pretty much the same, but now it was in. I was starting to experience 
Jesus. I was, I was starting to experience God. I was starting to see my place in, in quote unquote, God's plan or God's plan for my life that, that I could be, I could be instrumental, that I could be significant, uh, that I could be used by God, that God knew me and knew me by name. He knew me intimately. He walked with me. He was always with me. He was there. So I was kind of surrounded by a presence of Jesus. But my theology still hadn't changed. It's just that maybe I felt like finally I'm getting something right. And, and there were some good things that happened. That was when I was 30. There were some good things that were happening. Um, that, that, I was, that I was figuring out in my life. I was... Uh, now a husband for 10 years. I had two children, um, soon to have a third. Uh, I was working. I was performing. There, there were a lot of good things that were happening in my life. And I was finally participating, taking responsibility for the kind of Christian I was uh, in the church I was attending. And that was basically my 30s. That's what happened for my 30s, more or less. Uh, There's some of the things that happened. But the God I, again, the God I believed in was a God who loved me as long as I uh, adhered to his impossible standard. I didn't know it was impossible then. I just thought I was weak and maybe stupid. I believed in the God who loved me as long as I followed that that impossible set of rules, but who would eventually not hesitate to strike me down and send me to an eternal hell, an eternal hell of torment, right? A, a literal, literally fiery place for eternity, for not living up to his standard. And I still said the right things. I, I still knew, well, you know, God is love. God's grace is for all. Uh, you know, um, all, all the scriptures, right? Uh, I still believed them all. I just, I just had a, a horrible theology. I had no real concept uh, of of who God was because I didn't know who Jesus was. Or I thought that Jesus, uh, of course he was God, but he was, he was, um, God on a good day. (laughs) uh, And, and God was God on a bad day or something like that. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but it was something like that. I, I was a dispensationalist. And basically that means that I believe that God acted a certain way in the past but when Jesus came, he started acting a different way. But in the end, right, in the end, when it's all said and done, God would go back to being that God of the Old Testament and smite his enemies. And I was a dispensationalist. So I believed in a God that, that loved you when you were doing good and who basically hated you when you were doing bad and would not hesitate to send you to hell. That, that's the 
that's how I can put it in a nutshell. And of course, what's missing from my theology is Christology. I had no, no understanding of who Christ is. And that started in my 30s and grew in my 40s, and I'm still trying to figure all that out. That's still something that's changed. But my, my understanding that of, of who Jesus was and who Christ is, and I differentiate those for, for a reason, uh, it changed everything. It changed everything. So if I had to believe in that God that I was brought up to believe in, a God who uh, says he's in control and we say who is in control but allows, allows horrible things to happen to good people, allows babies uh, to, to be um, killed or injured for no reason, right? To, to be born sick, to get cancer, uh, to have horrible uh, diseases, painful, to, to, to allow suffering in the world, to allow poverty and, and, and hunger, uh, to allow disease, uh, who allows uh, natural calamities such as earthquakes and tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes uh, and volcanic vol volcanic eruptions and uh, a God who created human beings uh, but demanded that that everybody adhere to it in either strictly uh, man or male female uh, binary um, gender, and if they couldn't, if they didn't, if they didn't feel it, that they were wrong, and that they were condemned because of that. Uh, a God who, we're told, knows everything, has all power, and is everywhere, but obviously doesn't act sometimes. Obviously doesn't act. He obviously doesn't do what he should do. He doesn't always hurt those who are suffering. Right? What about the people who are depressed? What about what about the people uh, who were brought up in such horrible circumstances, who were given, born to horrible, abusive parents, um, through no fault of their own, turned out to have a myriad of problems, mental, physical, psychological, emotional, and God seems to do nothing no matter how much people pray. I'm an atheist if that's the God I have to believe in. I'm an atheist. If you tell me that's who God is, I'm an atheist too. I'm right there with you. No question. An interesting side side note, and I'm sure some of you guys know this. Atheists originally originally atheists were Christians. Christians were called atheists in the Roman world because they did not believe in the panoply of Roman gods. They did not believe in all of the the gods that the Romans believed, and so uh, because they believed in only one God, a God that the Romans did not know, uh, then they were called atheists. They were. Uh, 
anti anti god they they had no gods they did not believe in the gods but they believed in a god but the romans didn't know that god so they were called atheists well i say the romans it could have been the um, greeks who gave them this moniker i'm not even sure but anyway it was the roman world at the time that's an interesting side note so i'm fine with saying i am an atheist in the in the original use of the term i don't i don't believe in that god either i don't believe that the old testament that the original books written by the bible are a true reflection of who god is either i don't believe that i don't believe that the bible is infallible that it's inerrant that is without error i don't believe in that believe that's true. Uh, I believe the Bible is an account that was compiled uh, somewhat arbitrarily. There could have been more books uh, put in and maybe some left out and, you know, somebody made that decision and that's the Bible we got and then we say, oh, the Holy Spirit did that. Well, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit didn't have any saying what happened at all I'm, what I'm saying is there is something that you can believe in there is someone who is the God you want and you need there is someone who uh, lives up to your original excitement of who you wanted God to be the God who is always there the God who would never leave you the God who hurts when you hurt, the God who rejoices when you rejoice, uh, a God who who provides for you. But there's a concept, and this is a this is a really hard concept. And and if you say this uh, in the presence of any kind of evangelical or um, very conservative Christian fundamentalist uh, if you say God can't you're going to raise some eyebrows why doesn't God step in when Russia attacks Ukraine and stop all of the innocent people from being killed well the answer is God can't why doesn't God uh, why doesn't God rid the world of all of the diseases that plague children. God can't. Why doesn't God save more people from earthquakes and tsunamis and floods and hurricanes cyclones drought God can't okay God can't is a very big thing now let me let me back this up what am I what am I not saying I'm not saying that God doesn't want to that God doesn't try, 
that he isn't involved in all of those areas, that he isn't doing everything he can in his nature and in his, his, with all of the resources that he has, that he's not trying to help in all those areas. In fact, every place that human suffering exists, I think God is there trying to, trying to work things out, trying to fix it, trying to do something. But what we've missed in this, what, what we never were told, what we weren't taught, is that the nature of God, the very nature of God, we should have known this. There are hints of it. Some people did get some things right in Scripture. There are hints of this all through Scripture. That God, because God is community, and that's the idea of you know, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, right? That's community of God. God is community. And because God is community, He can't ever not be community. It's part of His essence. And if you think about what John said about God, God is love. Love is not something that can ever be with just one person. It, it, it must go somewhere. Because love is the, the opposite of selfishness. And so if, if only one person existed in the world, one thing, right? No animals, no... Well, then love couldn't exist, right? Love cannot exist in a vacuum. It needs, it needs a, a, a place to depart from and a place to arrive at. Love... Love is a journey. It's a destination. It's it's something that goes between two two individuals. It can be it can be an animal and a person. It can be a, an animal and a plant, I suppose. Uh, but it could be a, a person and a plant. It could be a person and a rock, uh, I suppose. I, I don't know why it couldn't be. Um, but it, it there has to be two, at least two. Uh, and and actually, it's nice to have three. Because when it's three, you're not just returning what you've got. You're passing it on. Right? You're passing it on. And that's, that's, that's a more uh, wonderful uh, definition of what love is. Right? It's something you give to someone else who pays it forward to someone else. All right. So what am I saying in all this? God is community. And so God also never, I know never is a big word. I try not to use too many absolutes. I don't believe God will violate your free will, anyone's free will. In other words, in order for God to work with you and alongside you and to partner with you, he asks for compliance. Right? Consent. Is this what you want? Yes, this is what I want. Okay, let's do it together. You do your part, I'll do my part, and, and we'll, we'll fix this together. Right? That's, that's the nature of God. And we see it all through the records that are left 
of God interacting with human beings. Although I think there's a lot of things that are wrong in those records, I think they're honest interpretations of possibly what God is doing. But, But God's nature is collaborative. Yes, he... He created the world, but he did it in conjunction with himself and all the beings he created. He created heavenly beings. And these beings, in conjunction with God, helped create and maintain and oversee the world. And when humans came along, God began collaborating with them, trying to involve them in the creative and the creation project and process. And that process is is becoming a world governed by love. That's where we're at now, right? We're in the middle of the process still yet. And we've had some wonderful revelation that other people haven't had. Now we know, because Jesus came, we know that we know what God is like implicitly. We know that God is like Jesus. He was never the God that ordered the destruction of babies in the Old Testament. No, they got that wrong. God is like Jesus. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's who Jesus is. It's not who God was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God was, hate your enemies, kill your enemies, kill every man, woman, child, and beast. Right? Uh, If a man sins... Don't only kill him, kill his family, right? That, that God, that notion of who God is, was a mistake. And I don't know if people were making stuff up for political or personal reasons, or if they were um, confusing other celestial beings as God, the creator himself. That's possible. But what you have to understand is that God doesn't violate the free will of all the created beings, whether they're angels and demons, um, no matter who they are. God allows them to do what they want to do, but he tries to always convince them to go the right way. And I know, I know you don't see this. I know you don't, I know you don't think that the world is getting better. But in so many many ways, the world is getting better, guys. In so many ways. Not in every way. We have to figure out climate change. We have to figure out our footprint. You know, the human footprint in the world. Uh, We have to dial some stuff back. We have to change what we do. We have to maybe have more healthy desires, right? Um... A lot of what's happening in the world is is because humans just want, 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 and demand. And we get addicted to certain things like electricity and, and oil, right? Uh, and, and, you know, rechargeable batteries and all these things, that, all these devices that run on those things we are, we are addicted to. And these things are not great for the environment, and we're figuring that out. But consider this. Fewer people die from poverty 
disease, or war per capita than any time in the world. Fewer people die from disease, poverty, that includes hunger, right, uh, or war than any time in the world. Uh, humans are living longer. Uh, we, we humans no longer can tolerate death. We can't, we, we wouldn't be able to tolerate the death toll that was happening in, in uh, World War II, for example. Uh, thousands of people died every hour in World War II. Thousands. Thousands of people died every hour of World War II. World War II went on for about five or six years. We can't tolerate that kind of death. That's why we've changed the way we do warfare. We've become more uh, pinpoint accurate. We still kill innocents. We still do it. Uh, but we're appalled when we hear about um, innocents being killed. We're appalled when we hear about children being abused uh, or infanticide. Uh, we are appalled uh, about a lot of this stuff, right? Um, we don't go out in the street and duel anymore and then walk away. Uh, we have less and less death penalty, right? Fewer and fewer die uh, of execution than ever in the history of the world. We just don't have the stomach for it. We are changing as human beings. We are grossed out by it. We, there's a time when we weren't. There's a time when people were dying left and right so much that it was just whatever. Yeah, somebody else died. Huh? On to the next, you know. There was a time when that was just it, you know. You, you're just ready to drop at any time. People only lived to be 30 or 40 years old, and that was normal, and it didn't bother anybody. But we've changed. By and large, the world is safer to live in today than it ever has been. Now, I'm talking physically. Sure, there's a lot that's wrong, uh, maybe, in on the Internet. There's a lot of stuff, weird stuff that's out there that's hurting people emotionally. You know, what do we do with social media? Um, but the, the interesting thing is, I think whatever is going on with social media and the effect it's having on um, the human experience, I think that's going to be a symptom that we will be able to use to go forward again. There are good people, and I believe God is collaborating with these people. I believe that Jesus, and specifically Christ, is having an effect for good in the world, and the world is becoming a better place. driving through Japan and there's so there's like no trash on the road this hasn't always been the case in Japan but somehow Japanese people have decided hey you know at least we can be more responsible about that stuff even in America there's less trash than ever you know, some of the big cities New York City and whatnot are you know but still the, the amount of pollution today talking about just litter 
is going to be way less than it was, uh, say, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, right? In general, life is good today. I know we've just come out of a pandemic. I know that was horrible. But I'm telling you, we fared way better than the people with the uh, Spanish flu. We had more resources. We had quicker vaccines, safer vaccines. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you don't believe in a God that never existed anyway. I think you were taught to believe in a, in a false God. And that God was really re a reflection of powerful people, people who wanted to stay in power. Um, I think the God you want, the God you would love to believe in, I think that, that God actually exists. And he's a God who, who doesn't command who doesn't force. He's a God who just wants to come alongside you, who knows you, but wants you to know him so that you can tap into and, and, and use to some extent his resources. And he just wants to partner with you and he asks nothing in return. Because what you're doing when you partner with him is what he's always wanted to do with the world anyway. And that's how he's always worked. The good that has happened in the world has happened through people. God collaborates with people. God doesn't control anything because he's not a control freak. That's not his nature. He's an influencer. He is a... a bottomless resource uh, he is infinitely available uh, he he knows if he's not all knowing he knows way more than anybody else and if he's not all powerful uh, you and him together can have a lot of power but it's going to be power for good it's going to be power power which which makes the world a better place and and making you a happier healthier person in whatever way and whatever that means to you is is a priority of his because in that way he's also bringing healing and he's improving the earth right he's in, inviting us to to join in his creation process uh God can't do certain things. And one of the most important things God can't do is he can't go against his nature. If, if you can get to the point where you believe that God is good, that he's true, that if there is a God, he's at least good and he's true, then you also have to know that he can't go against his own convictions. And he is convinced that the best way that the earth moves forward is with you and with me 
and with everyone. I'm an atheist of the God I was taught to, or at least the God I was perceived, that I perceived. I'm an atheist of that God. I could probably say I'm an atheist of the evangelical God. The evangelical God who dabbles in politics, uh, who hates gays and Catholics. Definitely an atheist of that God. Man, I love you guys. I'm talking to my family members. Well, hopefully I'm talking to everybody, but I want you to know that there's really nothing you have to do. Just, you know, go forward. Take one step at a time. Be happy. Do good when you can. Try to improve the lives of your family members and and your friends and, and maybe that guy on the street that you pass by. Even a little bit. <clears throat> because it doesn't matter in the end what you believe in. It matters really what you're doing. And if you're doing good, <laughs> believe it or not, I think you believe in a God that actually exists. But I'm not mad. Not, I'm not even concerned if you're an atheist. I think it's an honest uh, step in the right direction. I had to become an atheist of the God that I was brought up to believe in too. In order to find the, the you know, a true God that exists. Um, so I'm going to have to leave it there. I'm at work. Thanks guys. Bye.